Hey, Mon. Yeah. Have you ever broken a promise? Oh my goodness, so many times, Lyle. Have you? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's one of those part. It's just about part of being a human, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes we make promises that mm-hmm. we just break. Mm-hmm. Hey, Mon. Yeah. Have you ever made a promise that you intended to break? Ooh, I, I don't think so. I mean, that would be almost be like you're devious and trying to trick someone, fool them into doing something. Okay, so you're not that devious. I can't think of anything. When you said, have I broken a promise? I can immediately think of some, but yes. intended to break it? I, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, I can't, I'm, I'm, I can't think of any as well. Um, but, you know, someone once asked a politician, have you kept all the promises you made during the campaign? He responded, yes, every promise that I intended to keep. <laughs> this is maybe this is maybe I'm not I'm not a politician. Yeah, you would make a very good politician <laughs> if you have not made promises that you did not intend to break. You are not a uh, cut out to be a politician. Okay, so Isaiah chapter forty six. I'd like you to read for mm, us no. here, and we're going to look at the differences here between human promises and God's promises. And does God break His promises, or does God change His promises? Uh, Lyle, speaking of promises, can I just yeah. interject? Mm. I promise to send you, dear listener, a prize if you can get this quiz right. Oh, okay. Let me just quickly hit you another clue. So the first clue was the bravery of Zifra and Poir in disobeying the king is found in my first chapter. This is a what book am I? Mm. I tell how idolaters were made to drink an idol that was ground into powder and poured into water. And the third clue is the building of the first tabernacle was found here. Okay, so that's getting that's getting mm-hmm. more and more close. In fact, our Bible study this morning is going to reference this particular book in a number of occasions. I thought it might. I thought yeah, it might. Yeah, another little sneaky clue mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. So we're in Isaiah. In which chapter are we in, Lyle? And Isaiah is not the book, by the way. I know it's not the book. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the answer to the quiz. Just in case you thought we were giving it away straight away. No, this book will feature, but Isaiah is not the one. Okay, we are in Isaiah chapter 46 and verse 11. Let's talk about God's promises for a moment. Mm, amen. I will call a swift bird of prey from the east, a leader from a distant land to come and do my bidding. I have said what I would do and I will do it. There you go. It's quite the promise. God states it and it is. Mm-hmm. In fact, God's promises are so sure that they are always counted, and we've talked about this before, as present reality, even yeah. when they refer to a future event. Yeah, the Bible says that cool. Jesus was crucified from the foundation of the world when we know that he was actually crucified in 31 AD. Mm-hmm. But because the promise was made, he's always been crucified. It's true. It's, that was amazing. I really enjoyed that study, learning about because that. Because the promise of the incarnation was made, he's always been the son of God. Because the promise of eternal life is given to us, we have eternal life, even though he'll raise us at the last day. And we could go on and on through uh, many different promises of God. So God's promises are very, very different from the kinds of promises that we make. Has God ever broken a promise? Never. Never. Never broken a promise. Isn't the Bible full of promises? Full. That's right. Absolutely. And he's never it's broken heaps. a single one. You can claim those promises, and you can, you can, you can trust your life on those promises. So I can claim those promises personally. Absolutely. Nice. Does that mean all our listeners can claim them as well? Yes. If you, mm. as a listener, need a promise that you need to claim, have a promise that you need to claim, go ahead and claim it, trusting that God will always stand by His promise. I have never had God fail. I have failed many times. Mm-hmm. I have never had God fail. Mm-hmm. The failure when failure happens, it always has something to do with me. <laughs> Most disappointing. Actually, one of my favorite books is um, not of the Bible per se, but it's a little volume that I. I have and it's called Bible Promises mm-hmm. and inside all the promises of the Bible are um, organized into subjects like into topic mm-hmm. and it's just the most heartening read like I know it's supposed to be a reference book but I just love reading it just you know page after page yep. it's a beautiful book absolutely maybe you've got a story of a promise that you claim that you'd like to share with us give us a call 1-800-324-843 we would love to hear that story I remember reading a most humorous story about a man who claimed a promise one time. He was in a relationship with a woman that was he should not have been in a relationship with. Mm-hmm. And he was really struggling with it. He was reading his Bible one day and he read this verse in the Bible and was like, that's it, I'm going to claim that promise. 
Mm-hmm. You know what the verse was? What? I will put enmity between thee and the woman. <laughs> <laughs> and he claimed there's a promise the next day I had to pray. It's like, Lord, I didn't really want to hate her. <laughs> Just wanted to break up. How, how does one, how does like, we you know when we as Christians say claim the Bible promises, I feel like it's almost in speak to some level. Like for someone who's never heard of claiming a Bible promise, like how does that actually look? What is it? Like how do you do it? Let me give you a promise for the day. How about that? That's a good idea. First Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, the Bible says, There is no temptation taken you or come upon you, uh, but such as is common to man and is common to all humanity. Mm-hmm. So in other words, all of us, we all get tempted, right? Yeah. But, and I like that word but because that's a contrast word, in contrast to the fact that everybody gets tempted, God is faithful. So everybody gets tempted, but God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able to bear, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape so that you are able to bear it. So here's a really great promise. If you are suffering temptation and the devil is on your case and the devil is trying to discourage you and the devil is trying to drag you down and the devil is trying to make you depressed and sorry, sad and, and, and tell you what a terrible, terrible person you are or whatever else it might be, claim this promise right here. And then accept the promise and look for the way of escape. And maybe the way of escape is to tune in to Faith FM, Positively Different Radio. What's the reference to this promise? 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. Here's your challenge for the day. 1 Corinthians 10. Okay, everybody, listen up. This is your challenge for the day. Memorize 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13. Have it memorized by the end of the day and claim it on regular occasions. It will change your life. So if I feel like doing something wrong, doing Mm -hmm. something bad, Mm -hmm. I can say, Lord, I read... In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that you will make it a way of escape for me. You promised right. me this. And I now claim that promise. I'm claiming that promise. Help Where's me. Where's the way of escape? Where's the way of escape? Look around and you will see it. It will be there. Amazing. Absolutely. I love it. This yes. is great. I'm yes. enjoying this Bible study on a Monday morning. Positively different Bible study on a positively different radio station. We should do a Bible promise every day that people can claim. Yeah, maybe we should. Yeah. Bible promise of the day to claim. Memorization challenge. Oh, I can make you remember. I've, I've had many little kids in my, in my church Sabbath school classes that I've had to force them to memorize scripture. Let me see if I can get it. There is no temptation <laughs> taken you, but such as is common to man, but God is faithful. He will not... Allow you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. How did I go, Mon? Very good. He did that all, by the way, dear listeners, while not looking at the Bible. That's right. So this is how we can write scripture in our heart, right? We memorize it. Absolutely. Yeah, and then we memorize it, and then we always have it on standby in our minds. And so when we come up to a difficult situation, we can just whip it out of our bank. And, uh, and claim the promises of God. Absolutely. When you've claimed a promise, we'd love to hear your story. Give us a call, 1-800-324-843. Okay, so God's promises are never going to fail. Mm-hmm. We've got this issue of law and faith. Okay. And we've been learning about the faith of Abraham and how Abraham was saved by faith. And Galatians, uh, we're in, in this chapter here, chapter 3, verse... Yeah, and we'll, Probably we should read some verses here. Let's read... Uh, 15 through 18. Okay. Galatians 3, 15 to 18. The Bible is very, very clear about Abraham and his relationship to grace and to faith. What we need to find out is, did God change that system when Moses came along 400 years later and the law was given? Mm, good question. So Galatians 3, verse 15 yeah, to 18. Just, maybe just start reading one of those verses there. Okay, dear brothers and sisters, here is an example from everyday life. Okay, so we've got an example here from everyday life to consider. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. I like it when uh, Paul gives us an example from everyday life, something that you can relate to. So this is what he's going to bring to us here in this passage. Just as no one can set aside or amend an irrevocable Mm -hmm. agreement. Irrevocable means it cannot be changed. It can't be changed. Can't be changed. What's done is done. It's set. set. Yeah, yeah. Mm. In fact, let me read this one to you from the old KJV. Let me get my old KJV. Beautiful words in the KJV. Because it actually brings out a deeper (laughs) meaning here. It says, brethren. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and sister, <laughs> <laughs> brethren and sisters, <laughs> I speak after the manner of men. So I'm bringing you this every day. We all understand this. Though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it is confirmed, no man disannuls or adds to it. Wow. Now, when he speaks about a man's covenant here, you know what he's actually talking about? What? A last will and testament. Oh, really? And, of course, a will is confirmed when the person dies. Why am I not surprised that Paul is going there seeing that he's a lawyer? He always goes to either law or business or wherever it is uh, to be able to illustrate his points. And here he goes to a will. Okay. So this is talking about the will and testament of humans, of yes, men. Yes, that's right. Once a person is dead, can you change it? Nope. No. Because it's sealed by their death. It's done. It's done. That's it. It's over. It's like, it is what it is. People try sometimes, but I think they say that 99% of, or 99.9% of contested wills fail. So if you're thinking of contesting a will, stop thinking about it. The people who will be happiest if you contest a will will be lawyers. They will make lots of money. That's right. And you won't get any. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the will of man, is it as strong as the will of God, the promises of God? Say that again. So these these wills yes. that humans have created, yes. are they anything against the promises of God? No, they're nothing like as strong as the promise of God because you do have that small percentage that are contested and changed. Okay. Yeah. Whereas God's will is never changed. Okay. So I sh- hang on. 15, yeah, 16, Monica 17, has lost 18. herself here. Start there in verse 15. Okay. Just as no one can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement, so it is in this case. God gave the promises to Abraham and his child. And notice that the scripture doesn't say to his children as if it meant many descendants. Rather, it says to his child. And that, of course, means Christ. This is what I'm trying to say. The agreement God made with Abraham could not be cancelled 430 years later when God gave the law to Moses. God would be breaking his promise. If, for if the inheritance could be received by keeping the law, then it would not be the result of accepting God's promise. But God graciously gave it to Adam as a promise. This is such a good passage right here. I hope you catch the importance of what Paul is saying. Because Paul comes through and he's like, okay, God God gave the gift of salvation to Abraham by a promise and that was the promise of his son and his son is Jesus Christ who is the descendant of Abraham, right? Mm-hmm. And then he comes along and he talks about Moses. Now Moses comes along 430 years later and gives the law on Mount Sinai. When Moses gives the law on Mount Sinai, does that change the promise? No. No, no, it doesn't change the promise at all, does it? Not no. not in any way, shape, or form. Uh, where we're reading there, where it talked about... Let me just find that... Uh, um, yeah. The agreement God made with Abraham could not be cancelled 430 years later when God gave the law to Moses. God would be breaking his promise. So if God had come along when he gives the law, you know, when he gives salvation by grace through faith to Abraham... God can't come along 430 years later, Paul says, change that and say, okay, now now that I'm giving you the law, salvation is by the law. Okay. Because he would be breaking his promise if he did so. Mm-hmm. And so what Paul is emphasizing here is that salvation by grace has always been salvation by grace through faith. It has never been anything else. There never was such a thing as this uh, thing that people have invented called the dispensation of law. The dispensation of law? Yes, that's a big theological term. Yeah, can you like give it to okay, me? Okay, so a, dispen- a dispensationalist will say that there are various dispensations. And a dispensation is a time period. Mm-hmm. And so you have the dispensation of law, where everybody is saved under law, and then you are, that is followed by the dispensation of grace, where everybody is saved under grace. Mm-hmm. Okay. Paul here in Galatians says, no, 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 dispensationalism doesn't work because Abraham was saved by salvation by grace through faith. And when Moses came along and gave the law, it made no difference to it because God would have been breaking his will, his word, his promise, if the standard of salvation had changed. Now, how come these people here in Galatians are confused about this? Why are they getting the, like, the will and the covenant sort of mixed up. 
I think it's one of those easy things for us as human beings to do is to want to do something to earn our salvation. It's a natural human thing. And so when somebody comes along and starts to preach, this is how you get saved, mm. unless you do this and do this and do this, you won't be saved, then suddenly it becomes very, very tempting to actually accept that. Okay. Where we can't do enough good things to be saved. That's impossible. Does that mean we stop doing good things? Does that mean that the law wasn't given? Absolutely not. Of course not. That would be preposterous. Obedience to the law takes place because we are saved. It's a love response to God, not so that we can be saved. So we have to understand that God's covenant is a promise. Yes. And sort of makes it a bit clearer and it helps us to understand a bit more, I guess, about who God is instead of leaving it for us to mess up. He sort of takes it on board himself. That's right. And when Paul uses this concept of a will here, and he talks about a, you know, and references it to a last will and testament, when is a will sealed? Is it when the person signs or when the person dies? It's when the person dies. Okay. Because when the person signs it, they can come back a week later and change it, right? That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So it's when the person it. dies, it's sealed, it can't be changed. So when was the new covenant sealed? When there was a death. And whose death was that? Jesus Christ. That's right. On the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, the new covenant was sealed so that it could not be changed. And so if Jesus was going to make a change and he was going to say, okay, we've been all saved by the law and now we're going to be saved under grace and I'm going to make a change to this, he had to make that change before he died, didn't he? Mm. And there's no record of that anywhere in the Bible. Jesus changed nothing. He died on Calvary for our sins. He brought an end to the sacrificial system, and that was very, very clearly made when he died. But that was what was brought to an end. The rest of it was not brought, in, brought to an end. The law the Lord didn't change it. Certainly the New Testament talks more about the law than the Old Testament does on a per capita basis. Wow, okay. Yeah. I didn't know that one. Mm, yeah. oh, it's very interesting learning all about the promises of God today. Um, Lyle, before we go to our next song break, I want to do another clue for the quiz. Another clue. Another clue for okay. the quiz. Okay, so it is a what book am I quiz. The first clue was the bravery of Shifra and Pua in disobeying the king. You know, I had a, did a little bit of reading about Shifra and Pua. You did? I did. In the break? In the break. Is that called cheating, Lyle? No, because it was after I'd figured out the answer. I'm like, oh, <laughs> earth worship and poor. They were women. Oh, they were? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, these women, they stood up and they just, they completely disobeyed the king and they were, did the right thing because of it. Well, their story is found in the first chapter of this book. Clue two, I tell how idolaters were made to drink an idol that was ground into powder and poured into water. Mm-hmm. Third clue, the building of the first tabernacle was found here. And our fourth clue is the Ten Commandments were found in my 20th chapter. Well, there you go. 1-800-FAITH-FM. I Faith told you FM. we were going to be talking about this particular book <laughs> in this particular section. 1-800-FAITH-FM. If you think you know the answer, or you can text us 0491 We're going to take a quick song break and we'll be right back. And I'm going to throw a curveball at you, Lyle. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Get ready for it. No, don't. <laughs> I'm going to be worried now. This is Gungor. Please be my strength. I've tried to stand my ground. I've tried to understand. But I can't seem to find my faith again. Like water on the sand. Or grasping at the wind. I keep on falling short. So please be my strength Please be my strength Cause I don't have any more I don't have any more
faith I pray your glory shine In this doubting heart of mine And all would know that you Please be my strength. Mon. Yes. Quiz. Yes. Okay. What book am I? (laughs) Can't show me forever. What book am I? First clue was the bravery of Shifra and Pua in disobeying the king is found in my first chapter. I tell how idolaters were made to drink an idol that was ground into powder and poured into water. The building of the first tabernacle was found here. The Ten Commandments are found in my 20th chapter. And our next clue is the second book of the Old Testament. I contain 40 chapters. If you know what book that is, and yeah, I, I think, think we all do. do by now, give us a call 1-800-FAITH-FM-0491-064-669. You can text me on that number or even jump on our Facebook, Faith FM Australia, and leave me a message and we will send you the prize for getting the quiz right. Do you know who, uh, what was it, Shiflar and Pua were? I don't actually know. I don't actually, you know what? I think it might be the first time I've ever even heard of them. They were midwives. Midwives? Yes. So when it says they disobeyed the king, what is it they actually did? The king commanded that they were to take the life of any male children that were born. Oh, I'm really glad they disobeyed yeah, that. Absolutely. Amen. These women Amen. stood up. They were counted. They faced the king down, who, was, of course, was Pharaoh. We're giving lots of clues away now, mm-hmm. but, hey, it's time to just call in and get your quiz. Um, but that's what they did. These were brave women, and we should uh, we should know more about them. Their names should be out there more often than what they are. Better to disobey an earthly king than to disobey your heavenly father. Absolutely. Yep. Thou shalt not kill. They were obeying that rule. Indeed, Lyle. even though mm, they the Ten had the Commandments, commandments hadn't, hadn't been, been given. Yeah. I wonder, why were they obeying the Ten Commandments when the Ten Commandments hadn't been given? Do you reckon they had like some sort of, you know, kind of unspoken law where they knew the Lord wouldn't approve of killing? See, I, it's worked. What's work? <laughs> <laughs> I've got you distracted. You forgot about your curveball. <laughs> no, my curveball no. is I've got the Bible open in front okay, of but me. Okay, but before we get to that, yes. before we get to that. Yes. The, te- the Bible is very clear that the Ten Commandments existed long before Sinai, and we're going to come back and talk about that um, yeah, once we deal with this curveball, because, I mean, which is it, going to be unavoidable, I think. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, how can... If people didn't have the Ten Commandments before the Ten Commandments were actually given, like, wouldn't people have been so confused about the character of God? I mean, t- t- to me, the Ten Commandments, more than anything else, so clearly explains God's character and His benevolence towards so us. So why did He give the Ten Commandments from Mount Sinai and Parent Great Glory, and why did the... The Israelites at the bottom of the mountain act as if they'd never heard it before. I have no idea. Let's travel back in time and ask them. (laughs) Yes, and I think there's a very good answer. I don't think they had, but I think their predecessors had heard the Ten Commandments before. And this is why they need to be written down because... And I'm going to show you that from the Bible. In fact, I don't think so. I can show it to you from the Bible. The Bible says so. There okay. you go. Forget what I think. Let's go with what the Bible says. Okay, cool. Well, let's just press pause on that for a second. Okay, Let me hit time. you with this curveball. Now, you were telling me before that God keeps all his promises, right? He does. And I was racking my brain because I'm pretty sure there's one that he didn't keep. No. Nope. At least one. Mm-hmm. So, in Jonah, mm-hmm. the book of Jonah, yes. he tells Jonah to go to the Ninevites and that he is going to go and obliterate them. In 40 days. And so, Jonah... You know, with a couple of detours, yes. <laughs> makes it to Nineveh, does what he's supposed to do eventually. Yes. And then God 
doesn't wipe them off the face of the earth and he gets very upset about it. He does. That God didn't keep his promise that he was going to destroy the Ninevites. But God did keep his promise. Please explain Lyle Southwell. <laughs> okay, here's a little bit of history for you. First of all, in Bible prophecy, a day symbolizes a year and 40 years later, Nineveh was destroyed. What? Yes. No. But that's just a minor point. The major point here, and the one is that we most need to focus on, is that many of God's promises are conditional. Conditional promises. Conditional promises. What's that's that? right. Okay, let me give you an example of a conditional promise. Okay. And we'll go to for this one to Exodus chapter 19. We read this one last week, and we will read it again. Mm-hmm. Exodus chapter 19. This is such a uh, um, such a good example here. What's the read for me the first line of verse five? First line of verse five in Exodus nineteen says, Now if you Oh stop right there. <laughs> Two words in and I'm done. Yeah. Read me the second word. If Okay, so God's about to make a promise, but that promise is based on the word if, isn't it? It certainly is. Let me show you another one. Go to first John. First John. First John. All the way over the other, this is the first letter of John, and we're going to read 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. 1 John chapter 1 verse 9. But if we could... Uh, (laughs) What's the second word of that one? If. Okay, now read the promise. It's a great promise. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. Thank if. you. So what we need to identify in the Bible is conditional promises versus unconditional promises. Mm-hmm. Conditional prophecies versus unconditional prophecies. Okay. And so what you have in the promise in the in the promise or the prophecy to the Ninevites was a conditional one. It was based on their repentance and they truly repented. Mm-hmm. Jonah was possibly the most successful evangelist that our world has ever seen as far as numbers of conversion go. Even though he was a bit of a wussbag. Yeah, oh yeah, he's a terrible prophet. Yeah. It was just like a disaster, but one of the most successful. Once again, another testament to how the Lord can use you, even if you're not perfect. It's amazing to me that, you know, he gets up so upset and he's so upset, he's like, yeah, I want to die. I just want to die. Because God spared people's lives. I know, isn't that crazy? Well, it shows me that God uses people who are very human to be prophets. Sometimes mm. we look at the prophets and like Elijah or Elisha or John the Baptist and like these person people were so high and holy and we put them up on such a massive pedestal and they could never sin or do anything like this and yet we find that you know Jonah, one of the greatest and most successful prophets there ever was and he had a lot of human failings. Those little tenter tantrum, little pounce, little stampy yeah, feet. Yeah, over, over people's lives being yeah. saved. It is very heartening to know that the Lord will use us. We don't have to, you know, wait until we think we're perfect. The Lord will use broken vessels to carry forth his message. And I think this is probably part of the reason why Jonah fled, for, fled from God was because he knew he was a broken person mm-hmm. and he felt unqualified. And he's like, yeah, no, I'm not the kind of person who can carry a message like this. And so, you know, he runs. He's trying to get to the other side of the world. But God's like, no, you're the one I've chosen. And here's the thing. All of God's biddings are enablings. Oh, that's now, a, a good bidding, one. A bidding is Old English for um, a request. Whenever God calls you to do something, he gives you the power to do it. Amen. And Lyle, I'm really sorry. I think I've just used up all our, the rest of our time dealing with this curveball, but I guess we can get back to the rest of the study No, tomorrow. no, this is a really important part of the study. It's true. Because we need to understand this about God's promises and understand. Okay, so the promise that I gave you this morning, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13, mm-hmm. and that's your job to memorize for today. So if you're driving in the car, just uh, pull over and write it down now. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 and uh, put it on your dash and keep your eyes on the road and memorize that verse. Would it, would it be but accurate? But that is not not a conditional promise. That is an unconditional promise and God will always fulfill it. Oh, amen. Would it be accurate to say that conditional promises are almost like God wants to have a relationship with us, so he puts in there something that'll make us have a relationship with him, engage with him? Absolutely. A conditional promise involves the power of choice. This is Anna Weatherup, Be Thou My Vision, and we're going to have Family Matters after this with Darren Pratt.
the breakfast show on faith fm you're here with darren pratt on family matters and today we're talking about god encounters stories and testimonies a 2010 princeton university study discovered using mri scans all the rage these days that stories link the brains of the storyteller and the listener During a story, the brain activity of all the people involved becomes synchronised with the storyteller. When the storyteller has activity in the insular and emotional brain region, the listeners do too. Basically, story listeners experience the story in exactly the same pattern that the storyteller does. A story, then, is literally a shared brain experience. Stories help us form memories. They bring a group together and make experiences more fulfilling. A compelling story is like music in a noisy world. It makes us want to stop and listen. Melanie Green and Tim Brock argue that entering a good story radically alters the way information is processed. Green and Brock studies show that the more absorbed readers are in a story, the more the story changes them. They argue that to the extent that individuals are absorbed into a story or transported into a narrative world, they may show the effects of the story in their real-world beliefs. Stories spark emotions. We have an intuitive emotional side as well as a deliberate rational side to our character. Too often, we try and connect with children on a rational level, but that isn't enough to actually change how our children behave. Storytelling gives leaders a way of inspiring our children to experience God like never before with their emotional and intuitive side. Amanda Hans Drury also did some study on story, particularly children telling their own story. And she found that that when we testify, we articulate the stories that define who we are. Her book is entitled Saying is Believing, and she's saying that children will not believe until they've learned to tell their story. So stories are significant. As Sarah Arthur says, stories give our children the weapons they need to defeat the dragons. And mum, dad, church... The dragons are out there wanting to bring our children down. So tell stories, read stories, tell your story, make a difference, pass on your values, pass on your beliefs, and telling a good story is the best way to do that. You're listening to Family Matters on Faith FM with Darren Pratt. Oh, 
stores its borrowed rain That in thy sunshine's blaze its day May brighter, fairer be O joy that seekest me through pain I cannot close my heart to thee Trace the rainbow through the rain And feel the promise is not vain Then morn shall tearless be Chris Rice, oh love that will not let me go here on Faith FM. We have come to the question time where the question of the day is going to be posed. Are we going to have one more clue or are we done with clues? We are done with clues. We're done with clues for the quiz. Mm-hmm. The last clue was, was the second book of the Bible it's or something? the second book of the Old Testament, yeah, okay. so yes. If you don't get that one, then yeah. there's kind of trouble for you. Yeah, and we were reading from it. I think like right after I got the clue, we actually turned to that book. And we're going to be reading from it again as we Ooh. answer the question of the day because our question of the day is this one, Mon. Does yes. God ever change his mind does he oh that's a good question mm. I think the question that I have is if he changes his mind does it mean he was wrong the first time mm, okay mm. let me read you what the Bible says in relationship to whether God changes his mind or not the Bible says in first Samuel chapter 15 and we will go to verse 29 the Bible says the God of Israel will not lie nor repent for he is not a man that he should change his mind So that quite clearly says he doesn't change his mind. God does not change his mind. No. He does not lie or change his mind. So there you go. Here's the answer to your question right there. But hang on a minute. Wasn't there an instance in the Bible where God was going to destroy a city and... Was it? Who was it? Was it, it was Nineveh. We were just reading no, no, about no, no. it. The, the other God one. Repented. The other city. Was it Sodom and Gomorrah? No, he did destroy those ones. Yeah, but but he was like, I'm going to destroy it unless like, there's so many people in it that are good. Okay, that's an interesting story because that was a story in which... Abraham, Abraham bargained. I was about to say Moses. Yeah, Moses? I was thinking Moses as well. Yeah, been saying talking too much about Moses. Abraham bargained with God. You know, if there's forty righteous people, will he destroy it? Look, I was like, no. If there's thirty, will he? No. If there's twenty, no. If there's ten, no. And he stops too short. And of course, there was only probably one really wow. righteous person in that city. There is another passage. There are a couple of passages that are worth thinking of. Mm-hmm. First of all, you've got the story of Hezekiah where he got sick and he asked God for healing and the prophet Isaiah was sent and God said through Isaiah, write out your will, put your house in order, you're going to die. Mm. And he asked and he pled with God and by the time that Isaiah had barely left the, the palace grounds, God told Isaiah, turn around and go and tell him I've given him another 15 years. That sounds like a change of mind. Mm, it does, doesn't it? There's an even better one in Exodus. Mm-hmm. I said we might mention a book featured in our quizzes at some stage. <laughs> now, now. Exodus chapter 32, where God got upset with the people for building a golden calf. Uh-huh. And God said, I have seen these people, and they are a stiff-necked people. Now let me alone so that my wrath may wax or grow hot against them, that I may consume them and make of you a great nation. Okay. You know, Moses says, yet now, if you will forgive their sin, and if not, Blot me, I pray you, out of the book which you have written. Wow. It's 
full on. So God, Moses almost holds God to ransom here in, mm-hmm. in a kind of a way. Mm-hmm. And the Bible says, and the Lord repented of what he thought to do to his people. He changed his mind. Yet the Bible says that God doesn't change his mind. So does the Bible contradict itself? The answer is no, the Bible does not contradict itself. There is a difference between changing what you say and changing your mind. Changing your mind means that you have changed your purpose and your intention. God never changed his purpose or intention. It was always his will to save the people. It was always his will that Hezekiah lived for another 15 years. It was always his will that Nineveh last for another 40 years. It was his purpose to use these circumstances to teach the people at that particular time different lessons about who he is and about his character. And so he changed what he said, but he did not change his mind. What do we got coming up? Thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in Such a special giveaway today. I'm really excited about this one. It wouldn't be the book of Exodus, would it? No. Well, actually, it includes the book of Exodus. I've been saving up this free giveaway until today. So why today? What's so special about today? Well, because we've been talking about God's promises and uh, and knowing scripture and writing it in your heart and claiming the promises and, you know, like Bible knowledge, like basic Bible knowledge, the good stuff, I guess. And so we have today... To give away to our first caller through the Bible. You can't get a better giveaway than that. And uh, what kind of Bible have you got This is a beautiful Bible. So it's a a nice little hardcover one. Yeah, it's hardcover. It's a compact edition, which is great because people can stick it in their car, stick it in their handbag, take it with them throughout the day, um, you know, and claim those promises as they're going throughout the day. Um, Beautiful paper. I'm just looking at it. It's about what, uh, uh, 120 millimeters by, say, it's about the size of the palm of your hand. Yeah, I'm just putting my hand on it. It's the size of the palm of your hand. Hardcover edition Bible. Hardcover, so it's good quality. It has a dust jacket on it and um, it has those beautiful, beautiful paper, um, the Bible, the typical Bible mm-hmm. paper yep. that we all love so and it much. it smells really nice. Oh, let me have a sniff. Oh, yeah, definitely got that beautiful new Bible smell. Um, this is an NLT, a New Living Translation, which is the one we use on this show. Um, so you'll be able to use it Except to when I along. drag out my KJV. Except the good old KJV, <laughs> my favorite. <laughs> so um, this is a compact edition, which doesn't mean it's abridged in any way. It's still the complete Bible, Old and New Testament. There's even some maps and stuff in the back, some extra bits and pieces. It's wonderful printing. We will give it away for free to the pers- first person who calls through on 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-844. Or you can text me 0491-064-669. Even jump on our Facebook, Faith FM Australia. Or even you can even email us. Just jump on our website, faithfm.com.au. And we will send you this beautiful the first, the Bible. The first message we get. 
First one, first With one name, through. address, and contact details yes. so we can uh, send it to you. Can't we will send you this much without that. beautiful edition. It's gold and it's red and it's a wonderful book. I've been I've been looking at that one in our prize box for a couple of weeks now. Thinking it has never been listed as the world's best bestseller because it has never been uh, threatened as the world's bestseller. Also the world's most stolen book. There you go. Probably the best book to steal. Yeah. <laughs> Learn how to Convert not. Convert you of your stealing ways. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for tuning in. We've had a wonderful time with you today. And we'll be back tomorrow morning after the 7 o'clock news with some more great programming. What's happening tomorrow, Lyle? We have... All of our usual features. All of our usual features. More yeah. prizes, more giveaways. Oh, by the way, if you're listening, um, you can use a uh, TuneIn app and just download that and you can listen to us everywhere on the plane. You don't have to listen on the radio just in this uh, Newcastle region. So we're looking forward to listening to you. Um, you listening to us, actually, on TuneIn. Joining us right here. We're going to listen to Fernando Ortega now. Let the words of my mouth...
Forsaken.